This is Raising the Game, the podcast getting football mums united. Now, we're here because we care, right? Which brings me on to today's subject. The conversation in the car to and from the match. If I had a pound for every mum I hear say, oh, I'm dreading the car journey home after her son or daughter's lost their match or their kids played under par, I would be rich enough to buy Twitter myself. You know what I'm talking about, the silent treatments, the awkward conversation, the feedback nobody wants, and that's just before the match. So I spoke to performance sports psychologist Emily Hill-Smith. She's most recently been working at Fulham, so I thought she would be the best person to give us a steer on what's the best approach to chatting before and after the match. And ladies, here's a precursor, silence is golden. So, Emily, I suppose the first thing, let's have two scenarios. We've got one journey to the game and we've got the journey back home. Um, When I'm taking my sons to their matches, very different, but sometimes they're very silent and don't want to talk. Sometimes they're quite animated and anticipation about the match and so forth. What's the best kind of conversation to have in the car? You're going to get this answer a lot, but it really depends on the kid. So let's take, for an example, that this kid feels nervous or anticipatory to the game. Then I would definitely encourage creating a space in the car journey for that to be able to be expressed. What are you feeling nervous about? What are the things that might happen that are going to kind of stir up that anxiety? But also a space to acknowledge that and go, that's totally normal. And, and be able to normalise it. There are loads of brilliant footballers out there. Messi always comes to mind to naturally feel extremely nervous before a game, to the point where Messi vomits, I believe, each time. Um, but also that nerves show you care. So kind of that conversation in the car can be really useful to just be a gentle reminder of this is totally normal. And actually, this is a really, really positive thing. Because often what happens in that car journey is you're thinking, oh, I'm really nervous. And we start to interpret that negatively and actually then it makes us more nervous as our very intelligent brains do and we get into a right old cycle so i would definitely suggest for for children who do have that sort of tendency to get super nervous before a match that's a helpful way of looking at it um but then also there are there are other children that will be really internal and want to analyze things on their own and I think this is probably true for the way home conversation as well but focusing on the way there for now they'll want to suss it out themselves they'll want to do all that thinking on their own and actually if the parent can be able to sit comfortably and know that they're doing that or be okay even if they're not and they're just thinking about what happened at school or something else that's going on in their life sometimes that downtime can be really really valuable and I think if it's respected by the parent then that in itself is an important conversation or lack thereof to have. Um, something that I would recommend that facilitates that is actually getting to know your child and what they want from that conversation, because they probably have an idea of what they need in that moment. It might be that they need to chat to mum or dad about their, how they're feeling or what they want to focus on on the game, if that helps the nerves as well, kind of more tactically or technically. Um, 
but also it might be that they don't want to talk at all and actually if the parent knows that and is comfortable with it and they've kind of almost got a bit of a deal on as to okay cool on the way there like I know that's what you want and therefore as a parent I'm more able to allow that to happen that can be really really valuable so essentially what you're saying is it's okay to not focus so heavily on the game it's okay to give them space and kind of almost step back absolutely so i remember us talking and you talked about a what if plan would you do what if on the way to the match so what ifs is a brilliant strategy for handling pressure handling nerves really simply or also called kind of if then plans it's about taming our anxiety and being able to go that's what's making me nervous okay firstly number one acknowledge that and number two okay that might actually happen like let's have a think about what happens if that happens and how do i want to respond because often it might be that there's an adverse situation that they're thinking about maybe it's a bad tackle if they're coming back from injury and they're a bit nervous about that perhaps it's not being selected if they don't already know the lineup uh, perhaps it's being tackled badly or kind of nutmegged or whatever and then looking like a fool. Whatever it is, maybe it's letting a goal in for their goalkeeper. Whatever it is that's kind of um, eating them up a little bit. Being able to go, okay, let's make a plan. Let's assume this is going to happen and let's walk through how it happens, which bits of it are a bit uncomfortable and go, okay, that might feel a bit odd. That's okay. That's a pretty normal reaction. But also the most important part after that is how would you like to respond in an ideal world? How would you like to respond? So that could be, okay, I've just been nutmegged. Or, okay, typically my response might have been to kind of slump, feel a bit embarrassed, maybe look to my parents on the sideline and grip my trees and think, oh no, what have I just done? Or it could be thinking, and this is what this moment is for, creating that space of how do you ideally want to respond? I want to keep my head up. I want to go straight back. I want to follow my values of that hard work ethic or competitiveness or curiosity or whatever it is um, and formulate a plan according to that situation that's making them nervous in such a way that really follows those values and ultimately gets them back into a state where they're motivated, energised by the game and willing to give their best. Brilliant. At least then you're kind of looking at the worst scenario and then looking at it and actually realising it's not so bad because I can do this, 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 this. Here's a thing for you, Emily. What is the worst scenario? What is the worst thing you can do on the journey to a, a match? But I think not asking your child what they need, I would say is the forefront of a bad, or not bad, but a less than ideal uh, parent-child relationship. That communication and openness between you will not only facilitate the car journey there, it will facilitate the car journey home and potentially your kind of lives together. That openness is really important and understanding and listening what each other wants and needs in times of stress and high emotion, as it will be, especially if they're really into their sport. Um, so it's almost not about what not to say or anything like that. I can't predict that. But almost as a precursor to that, make sure you have that conversation. And it will feel a bit sticky, but maybe even as parents, you can do the what if of, okay, what if they completely ignore me? How would you like to respond? 
what if they scream and shout and go, no mum, blah, 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 how would you like to respond? Um, the same applies as a technique for us all. When we're in the car, often the thing that they're looking at and thinking about most is that kind of anticipation that they're going up against a better team, that this team always wins, this team's category one, this team's got this, this, this player. How do you facilitate that on the way to a match? Yeah, and it's and it's a tough question as well. If you think, oh, like almost what's the point in this? I might well be losing. Um, but I think that's often when we've got ourselves into that kind of threat state. So amongst every thought, we kind of can perceive a situation as a threat or we can see that, perceive it as a, a challenge or an opportunity to kind of move forward in a, a positive and helpful way. And I would almost say that stepping back a little bit from all oh, we're about to face a, a difficult team is that choice point of, they're likely to win, we're probably not going to be very good, they're going to make a fool of us, they've got this, that and the other and we don't have it. All of those really naturally are focusing on all the things that you don't have and that you won't be able to give. Whereas realistically and probably more helpfully if we switch that and go, okay, what's the opportunity here? I've never played against this team before. Maybe it's a chance to learn something new of the opposition or maybe it's a chance to uh, showcase my skills to those players or even just to use the competition of the situation to boost my own level. Uh, competition actually as a phrase doesn't mean to like strive against, it actually means to strive with. You think of any other word beginning with C-O-M, come, like company or anything like that, it's always kind of together. And actually the meaning of competition is to use your opponent to improve your own ability. And I think that really sits true with this scenario here that you're talking about, Melanie, because it's all about, okay, they are probably better than us. They are probably going to win. But how can I use a situation to better myself? And before that, you have to choose to think that way rather than see it as a threat. So, Emily, we're on our way home. Obviously, there's two scenarios. You've won, you've lost. I suppose there's a third that's there's a draw. But um, let's say we're going home on the win, but there's still things to learn. How do you kind of broach that with your child on the way home? Yeah, so firstly, find it fascinating that, and I think rings absolutely true to the age group as well that we're, that we're referring to here, but there are two scenarios we say, win or loss, whereas my mind's going, hang on a minute, what if you lose and you played rubbish, win and you played rubbish? Lose and you played great, win and you played great, uh, or, or draw and the likes in between. So for me already, there's a lot more nuances to that. Um, question being winning, but still learning from it. I think it's a really valid one. And I think actually it's, there's a real tendency, potentially as a parent, to want to really kind of cut straight to the, okay, but actually how did this go wrong? Or maybe we could have improved there and then there. Whereas part of me thinks they're playing the sport because they love it, right? Mm. And so often in life, they're playing this sport to win. And that is the ultimate goal. That feeling is what they're chasing. Whether you're at grassroots, lower categories, Cat 1, Premier League, international tournaments, it's all about the win. So 
celebrate that. Don't don't jump over that feeling and how amazing that is and all the things that they've done incredibly well to get there, whether individually or as a team. I would really emphasize focusing on that because what you may well realize is that through creating a space to do that, they're then more accepting to go, okay, it was so good. We had so much fun. I know we could have done that slightly better, but I still had a great time. And actually supporting that will likely mean that they'll bring out the bits that they need to improve on anyway, because they feel more comfortable. They feel like they've had that celebration. And then the kind of emotions can calm down and they can be better able to review and reflect on their performance and on the game. So my advice would be absolutely to celebrate what's just happened. And you may well notice that they naturally kind of criticise, critically review their performance anyway. And if they don't, then let that settle, let that excitement settle before that comes in. Got you. That is very valid. You know, it is that thing of letting them soak into their win. Um, no matter what the result of the um, match is, when you get into that car, is there a first question, irrespective of the result? I find, did you have fun? I'm starting to feel like it's a little bit cheesy now, but is that the kind of question you ask? I think this is almost an opportunity for you to ask what you think is most important out of what they've gotten out of it. So if you think that having fun is the most important thing, then that should absolutely be your first question. If you think that them performing their best is the most important thing, then ask that first. If you think them being proud of themselves is the most important thing, then ask that first. Like, go to what you think as a parent is the most important thing. Um, I think that's a kind of a good rule for it and, and one that doesn't necessarily have any kind of evidence backing other than that's what your kind of undertone is about what's important about the game and that's what they'll, they'll then hopefully pick up on as that's what's important. Like the main thing is that I had fun because that's what mum always used to ask um, and it's almost a, a signal of your priorities. What I would like to know is that that this question even exists, what's the first question that I should ask? Does there need to be a first question? Could it be a, a statement of what you noticed? Or could it be silence until they begin the conversation? Um, and again, this will really differ depending on different kids and how they want to respond to it. But my same thought would apply to, have you had that conversation around journey home? Do you want to talk or not? If, if the kid wants to talk, you'll likely talk, especially if there's a silence in a space that they're, that they're able to. Yeah, sometimes there is that silence. And actually, that brings me on to if they've suffered the loss. Often there are silences. You know, there's, there's a, a running joke that um, as you see the team losing, you're like, oh, the journey home's going to be hard. It's not going to be a great one. Would you advise that silence sometimes works absolutely absolutely because that silence is only silence for you that silence for your child will likely be a full run through of the entire game or it will be them thinking about what they want to do next time or how they're feeling and those are really important times for your child to build that awareness and, and take the time to actually think about it you'll also likely find, or 
not actually speaking at all from any kind of experience here, but only from experience with my partner who suffers great losses in his professional sport and sulks for days and I'll have gone to watch and had a silent car ride home but we've had that conversation of what would you find helpful and he says I just I just need to mope I need to be in that mode and then as soon as I get home I'll be able to have my shower and as soon as I come down then I'll be kind of back with you and back with the room but if I don't allow that then it will linger and it'll just have to do it later on probably in time that I'd like to spend with him so absolutely that silence is important because as I say, it's only, it's only silence for one side. The other side is, is likely, I'd be so surprised if it is silence for the person who's just been playing and who's just suffered the loss. So at the point when that child is ready to talk or there is some kind of conversation, what should we be looking at? Is there a kind of strategy? Is there a, a, a way of eking something out of them or looking forward rather than looking backwards and just for clarity melanie are you talking looking backwards about the game they've just played and yeah forwards to you know sometimes if, if i'm honest you know you could say oh you had a shocker today how can you improve on that is that the way to do it or is there a better strategy i think it's really valuable to be able to say what you think but I would also err on the side of let them ask for that feedback or at least ask them permission to give that feedback. People are so much more willing to receive feedback if you ask for it first. So Melanie do you mind if I give you some feedback on the style of interview that you've just given and I actually wait for your response and you say hopefully (laughs) yes then I'm able to give that and, and perhaps I would give some feedback and then say well what do you think of that? And actually, just that little extra bit of process, if you do have an opinion or feedback to give, will make them so much more willing to receive it, to take it on board, but also know that that's a gift that you've given to them. And just as receiving a gift at Christmas, if you decide, actually, I don't want that, I'm going to give that to charity, you're, you're allowed to do that. They don't have to receive it. And it's not a fault of the giver of the feedback or the gift for them to not receive it. It's just that's their decision. So I've probably gone a little bit off topic there, but what I'm saying is if you do want to give kind of quite strong feedback to your child, I really suggest you, I don't like the word cushion it, but make it more inviting for them to actually listen to. And that's really simple to do. Ask if you've got permission to give it, offer the feedback, but then ask again, like, did you like that? What did you think of it? And get their feedback on your feedback. And that's a really helpful way of doing it. Thank you for that. I think my my son would be uh, happy with that. Definitely asking as well. So just a couple of things that I might or a parent might ask is, you know, if, if you could change one thing about your performance, what would you change? Is that constructive? What are you trying to achieve by asking that? I suppose it's just trying to facilitate that child to process and, and I suppose analyse their performance. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I can totally see that. And I don't know what age group you're referring to there. My main thought would be make sure it's kind of age appropriate and and use their language as as best as possible. Like, or maybe even using other people's perspectives can can bring it to life as well. So um, can you just remind me of the the wording that you had there? It was just, um, if you could change one thing about your performance, what would you change? 
Yeah, okay, so that's great. That's nice and simple language. Even using things like what would coach say, what do you think coach would say to, to do differently next time and, and things like that can be can be really valuable. I suppose my caution here, and I'm feeling slightly uncomfortable about this and I'm, I'm just noticing that now, is almost over-reviewing and making that too formal in a space where they don't necessarily want it. I think if, if you've allocated that time to really pinprick and be nitty-gritty about what, what can we take from this, etc., etc., they're brilliant. That's a fabulous question. But if this is a car ride home and they're already feeling a bit awkward, if my my if my mum asked me that when I was coming back from a netball match or whatever, I would have been like, oh, go away, I can't be asked to do this right now. <laughs> yeah, Probably that's anyway. like my son. <laughs> and, that, and that's what I think that communication between you and your child, really openly and honestly, what do you want this conversation to be? What do you want this car ride home to be? Is almost so much more important than the actual questions you ask. It's empowering the child a little bit more, isn't it? But I think, exactly I think sometimes the, the parent has one view and sees one thing and the child looks through a, a totally different lens and sometimes it's hard to meet in the middle. Yeah, and I think going along with that kind of conversation but also what you, you've just articulated there is for the parent to come alongside the child and understand the world from their perspective is so powerful to be able to best ask questions in the way that's going to support their learning. It's not about just taking their word for it, but it's about genuinely trying to understand. It's important to kind of question yourself on which questions you're asking, which you clearly are doing even through things like this interview, because then we can understand what's the intention behind that, like what we're trying to get at and actually is that benefiting or is that being curious about how the child sees the world or is that just what I want to know? Is that an answer that I want but not necessarily helpful for them? Often it's what you want to know, to be quite frank. <laughs> and I think that's so fair. And like, you, you will always have those questions. And I think the more aware you can be in the moment of, do I actually need to ask that? Or is that just for me? Is that one for me or is that one for my kid? And I think as well, there's a huge need for parents to retake that perspective and, and think back to your own childhood of if I was coming home from a sports match, how would I want this conversation to go? And, and use that to help get yourself into their shoes. That's certainly what I do even when I'm talking to athletes. What might this person want? What would I want if I was in, the, in their shoes? That was Emily Hill-Smith, sports performance psychologist, asking us to think before we speak just a little bit more any techniques you've tried let us know or if you try emily's let us know how well they worked email hello at raisingthegame.org or use our socials all the details are in the blurb on the podcast and how could i forget my new feature i'm asking all my guests who's their favorite footballer and what young players could learn from them so of course i asked emily and she left me this lovely little voice note. My favourite football player is N'Golo Kante, who plays as a fullback or a defender in Chelsea. Uh, the reason I think he's brilliant is because he's actually a bit of a, he's a different player. He's not necessarily your largest or most physical, but what he does have is an incredible mindset and he's always willing to go in for the tackle. I think he reads the game exceptionally well as well, which I really like um, and that often resonates with me in my sporting um, positions but he's got an incredible attitude towards working hard and getting the ball back he'll always be on the fight but he also plays it down 
um, and he's very humble about it. And I think young players can learn a lot from Kante as well. Like that choice. That was Emily Hill-Smith. That's it. And please, 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 if you appreciate us, leave a review. Please. Thanks. Bye.